never giving up, always present love that He gives to us and we return back to Him, then it overflows on people. Our reciprocity is not on the horizontal, it's on the vertical. We get it from the Lord by the Holy Spirit and the people on the horizontal, everybody around you, people who hate you, people who are nice to you, people who insult you, people who say all sorts of horrible things about you, they just get the overflow of the reciprocity that we have with God. In this cultural moment, hate and discord abound. Everywhere you turn, there's someone angry about something. But as Pastor Daniel explains today, Jesus wants more for you than a life filled with angry words and a hard heart. You'll be reminded that you are called to actively love both the people you hate and those who hate you. But as you'll discover, this love isn't something you muster on your own. It's the love of Jesus flowing through you. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 as he continues his message, Radically Subversive. Now, at this juncture you need to make a qualification because this does not place a Christian as enablers for people's sin. And we know that because Jesus, in living this out, when the Pharisees asked him, by what authority do you do these things? Jesus knew that they were being dishonest and sinful. He says, I'm not going to tell you. So for those of you who struggle with like enabling and codependency, don't think that, you know, some guy, I remember in, in San Francisco at the pier, he had a little sign, cardboard. Any money would help for a bag of weed. Weed, marijuana grass for you old school folks. You shouldn't give your hard-earned dollars to that guy. Or the guy, hey, I ain't gonna lie. I'm gonna take this and go get drunk. No. That is not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus doesn't want us to be generous to enable somebody's sin. But the reality is, is if we're really honest, most of us are not generous at all in these areas, are we? It goes against rough shot right over our culture. I mean, we get up in arms when generosity is the topic. When somebody needs us to go the extra mile, when somebody insults us, we do not do this well. But Jesus said, this is the where I am at. So action step number one, write down two situations where you can practice generosity instead of retribution. Take the first two that pop off your head. Who are the first two people? Two situations where you're like, I have an opportunity to be generous right here. Don't let this moment pass. Because I know for all of us, there's situations like that. Two situations where you can practice generosity. If true Christianity is radical, let's put some legs on this stuff, right? Two situations where you can practice generosity. Maybe someone's insulted you. Maybe somebody has sued you. Maybe somebody just needs your help. And you can go a little farther with them to be of service. 
two situations. Let's put legs on this stuff. Now, we keep going though. Look at verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, verse 44, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. In these verses, the overarching theme is this, that radical Christians are subversive by being extremists in love. Radical Christians are subversive by being extremists in love. I've called this message radically subversive living. So if you remember that word radical, getting down to the fundamental, the origin, it means being extreme or thoroughgoing against tradition. Subversive, listen to this, this is one of my favorite words. Subversive is a systematic attempt to overthrow or undermine a government or political system by persons working secretly from within. That's a good one, isn't it? Subversive. Synonyms, undermining, seditious, destructive, overthrowing, treasonous, incendiary. Brothers and sisters, guess what? The church of Jesus Christ is meant to be a subversive agent to the kingdom of darkness in this world. Amen, right? Subversive living. We are systematically attempting to overthrow and undermine the kingdom of darkness by working secretly from within it. We are meant to be treasonous to the cause of Satan and darkness, unrighteousness, lovelessness, selfishness, whatever it looks like. The government that we are working against is not a political government, although sometimes it uses political governments. It is a whole system that is anti-God therefore anti-human and human flourishing. We need, as Christians, to live against that. Jesus says, look at this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. We know that this was the second commandment. Out of the greatest commandments, Jesus said, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Remember when they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was? He said, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That second commandment, Leviticus 19, 18, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says this, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Wow. Love your neighbor is in the Bible. Hate your enemy is not. Brothers and sisters, listen. Love your neighbor is in the Bible. Hate your enemy is not. This was something that was added on later. <laughs> I'm going to apply this for all of us right now. Who is it that you hate? Who is it that you hate and you think that God hates? Man, there's a lot of hate in political discussions. There's a lot of hate in economic discussions. There's a lot of hate in religious discussions. What are we going to do about this? 
You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbors in there. Hate your enemy is not. You can't find it one place. But look what Jesus says. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Remember I said radical Christians are subversive by being extremists in love? But I said you love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those. Man, if we're going to be accused of being fundamentalists and extremists, let it be in the love of God. Let it be that we are extremists in the love of God. That word love is the word agape, which literally, in almost everybody's definition of it, is rich and costly, extended even to our enemies. It always signifies self-giving, regardless of emotion. See, when we think of love, we always think of that warm, fuzzy feeling. And listen, Because love is an emotion, you will get some warm, fuzzy feelings. But the love that God is talking about is not, I'm just going to love people who make me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. But I am making a decision to give of myself for somebody else's benefit. That is agape. And we know that that is agape because that is God's riches at Christ's expense. That is grace. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. His only son. That whoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave. See, our calling card as followers of Jesus is not only to be radically generous, but to be extremist in love. Can we take a step of faith and say, God, I want to love people in an extreme fashion? I mean, look at verse 44. Now, I'm not somebody who says that you should underline everything in your Bible. But look what it says. Love, bless, do good, and pray. Say it with me. Love, bless, do good, and pray. Say it again. Love, bless, do good, and pray. One more time. Love, bless, do good, and pray. No matter who we're talking about, that's the action right there. Love, bless, do good, and pray. And it's interesting, he's all, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Brothers and sisters, listen. No matter who they are, no matter how bad they are, we are to love, bless, do good, and pray. We are to be subversive, undercutting, cutting the knees out, Evil comes to us and we undercut it with love and blessing and good actions and prayer. This is some tough stuff, isn't it? But this is the words of Jesus. This is the words of Jesus. In verse 45, we learn this. Subversive Christianity is found in the nature of God. Subversive Christianity is found in the nature of God because to do this, Jesus brings them right down that you may be sons of your Father in heaven for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. See, this ability to bless and do good by people who are wrong to them is found in the nature of God. 
It's not like you're the only one who gets blessings in this life, but oftentimes some pretty evil folks get really blessed in this life, don't they? The sun still comes up in their mornings. The rain still comes and waters their crops. And that's who God is. So subversive Christianity, this style of living is not, we don't know how to find it, we don't know how to get there. This is the very personality of who God is. A lot of scholars call this common grace, which it means that God is commonly good to everybody, but he's specifically good to those who are part of his family. And that specific goodness is really the ministry of his spirit indwelling us. So this style of living, this loving people who are horrible to us and blessing people who say terrible things about us and doing good to people who hate us and praying for people who abuse us and persecute us, this is found in the very personality of who God is. It's in the nature of God. Now, in verse 46 and 47, Jesus takes this thing and he kind of jars us with it once again because look at what he says. He says this, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? But if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Now you have to realize, we don't like tax folks in our culture very much. And if you work for the IRS, we love you in Jesus' name. Not knocking it. It's a good job. A job is a job. And it's not necessarily morally reprehensible either. But in Jesus' culture, you have to realize that they were oppressed by the Romans and the Romans were smart. They auctioned off the ability to collect taxes for them to the highest bidder. But they didn't, the Romans didn't collect the taxes. They allowed Jewish people to collect the taxes. So Matthew, the tax collector, that wasn't a good thing because he was making money hand over fist on the Roman occupation of the children of Israel. The tax collectors were persona non grata to the max, the worst of the worst. I tried to think about who are the tax collectors. I don't even know. I mean, they were just as bad as you can be. And Jesus says, look, look, you guys. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward? The tax collectors love those who love them. If you greet your brethren only, what reward is that? Even the tax collectors do that. So each one of us, we do this, right? We love people who love us, and we don't love people who don't love us. And everybody does that. You could be a Buddhist. You could be an atheist. You could be a Christian. You could be a Muslim. Everybody's the same in that. And that's why we have to be different. Psychologists call this the law of reciprocal affection. It simply means this, reciprocity. If you give it to me, I'll give it back to you right? So you give me love, I give you love back. And then for most of us, when that love stops, then so does it from us, right? Like if you don't love me, like the Seinfeld soup Nazi, no love for you. Jesus says, don't the worst people in your culture do that? Function on the law of reciprocal affection? Doesn't anybody do that? But what makes Christians different? That our reciprocal affection is from God to us. And then that reciprocal affection of God's never-ending, never-giving-up, always-present love that he gives to us and we return back to him, then it overflows on people. 
our reciprocity is not on the horizontal, it's on the vertical. We get it from the Lord by the Holy Spirit. And the people on the horizontal, everybody around you, people who hate you, people who are nice to you, people who insult you, people who say all sorts of horrible things about you, they just get the overflow of the reciprocity that we have with God, and they get the overflow. So action step number two. Write down two people who you can subversively love. Write down two people, the two people who are the worst in your mind. Maybe it's your parent, maybe it's your mother-in-law, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's that person who you and they have the absolute most diabolically opposed political views from. That person who hurts you, who continues to slander your name. Write two down. And make a commitment today, I am going to subversively love that person. I'm going to pray for that person. I'm never going to say a mean word again again. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to do good by them. Oh. Go ahead, write them down. Don't be shy. This is the will of God for us. If we're going to grow, that we be radical by practicing generosity that we find people who we can subversively love. They're going one way, and we're just undercutting that. We're treacherous to their hate with our love. One commentator said it this way, to return evil for good is devilish. To return good for good is human. To return good for evil is divine. We like that, don't we? To return evil for good is devilish. To return good for good is human. To return good for evil, that's divine. That's who we are in Jesus. And then finally, verse 48, therefore. You guys know that's one of my favorite biblical words, right? Therefore, when you see a therefore, you say, what's it there for? You like that. That's Bible interpretation 101. Therefore, what's it there for? It draws a conclusion. It brings all these things right home. Therefore, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Final point, be a chip off the old block. That's what this means. Be a chip off the old block. A disciple's lifestyle is to be different from other people's because we draw our inspiration not from the norms of society, but from the character of God. We should be conformed to be like him. You know what that phrase means, to chip off the old block. It's like you ever hear like, like father, like son? It's an awesome thing when you meet parents and you meet their kids. And so often you see their mannerisms. You see their parents' personality, their parents' imprint on their lives. And some of us are saying, oh yeah, don't you know it. I remember when I was younger, and a little bit more aggressive, if you can imagine that. I used to think to myself, I'm never going to be like my dad. And then all of a sudden, you get a little older, and you realize, hey, my dad wasn't actually so wrong about a lot of things. And I'll say certain things, and I'll be like, oh, my dad's name is Tom. That's Tom coming out of me. And then you think to yourself, I actually agree with Tom on that. Listen, if you have any teenagers in here, give your parents a break. You're going to realize that they actually know a lot more than you realize when you're their age. You're going to realize that. I know it's hard. Every one of us goes to it, but it's amazing. I find my parents coming out of me so much. Sometimes Lynn will be like, man, you are so your dad right now. And I'm like, I know. I'm a chip off the old block. 
You know, and I'm happy about that in a lot of ways. But you know what? We need to be a chip off the old block of God the Father. And Jesus' perfect interpretation of the law, the truest and purest is this, is that you and I are meant to be like God. This reminds of the book of Leviticus, the most common phrase in the book of Leviticus, you are to be holy for the Lord your God is holy. Now it says you are to be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Brothers and sisters, listen. Our standard is not that we're not as bad as so-and-so or our political views are X, Y, and Z better than so-and-so's. Our standard is that we are meant to be chips off the old block. As God is, we ought to be conformed into, and this is what growing is all about. So brothers and sisters, listen. I had you write down two situations to practice radical generosity and two people you could subversively love. I want to challenge each one of us to make a commitment not like a vow, but a commitment. Lord, I'm not just going to write these things down and then in five minutes think all those terrible thoughts, but I'm going to live this stuff out. In Jesus' name, inspired by his Holy Spirit, I am going to be a different person in this world. Because growing has everything to do with knowing God's will and being intentional about living it out. Pastor Bill gave a great analogy for us. He said about a year ago, he decided he was going to lose some weight. And he was talking about all of the apps on his phone. He's like, and you know why I have two apps on my phone? I was thinking, because you are nuts. But you know, <laughs> but you know what? Look, he lost his weight. He's kept it off. How did he do that? Because he was intentional about it. He made a decision. And he stuck to that decision. And you know what? We all can respect that, can't we? Because we know how hard it is, one, to make a decision, and two, to stick with it. So we've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Let's subversively love the two people who are the hardest people in the world to love for us. And let us practice generosity in the two situations that are absolutely the ones that we want to be, give retribution and be revengeful in. And let it just start there. Let it be a grassroots movement in this body to go out and be like God in this world, the true body and blood of Jesus, living radically subversive lives that undercut all the kingdom of darkness, and we see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is Thanks for joining us today as Pastor Daniel wrapped up this message on what it means to be radically subversive in your faith. He challenged you to live out radical generosity and to subversively love the people in your life. You learned that Jesus showed you what this looks like. You could trust him to help you work it out in your own life with the people who he's put in your path. Living and loving like Jesus will have a ripple effect that will change the world one person at a time. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, 
Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel continues to unpack the teachings of Jesus found in the Sermon on the Mount. You'll learn that Jesus has a different definition of wealth than you might. Jesus encourages you to put your treasure, to put your heart in the higher things that aren't of this world. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.